week's episode of Please Watch This, a film podcast where two film-loving mates with gaps in their viewing history recommend films to one another so they can once and for all decide who has better taste. My name is Hugh Dempsey. I am joined, as always, by Sam Blakely. Hello, Sam. Salam alaikum, brother. <laughs> salam alaikum, salam. Salam alaikum, right? salam. Yep, very good. Salam. Yeah. Brother. Well done, mate. Yeah. Well done. I'm proud of you. Yeah. I'm it's like I've only lived in Jewsbury for years. <laughs> um, how are you keeping? How are you doing? Not so bad. What's not so bad on? at all. Uh, yeah, not not much to report. I've been uh, keeping all right. I've been going to bed very early and struggling to watch this three and a half hour film. Uh, watched. Um, hey, you were the you were the one who said to me last week, "Oh, we'll do Malcolm X." Yeah, I thought I, I could. Okay. Thought I could, and then I did. And then I did eventually. So we are here. I've been watching a bit of Squid Games, which is obviously what everyone's been talking about. Have you now? Yeah. I've been watching uh, Ted Lasso. Oh, have you been finding that? In a, is that legitimately available somewhere legitimate, or if you had to find um, other means? It is legitimately available. <laughs> <laughs> and that is what you've been using. Um, I want to see that because everyone's kind of raving it's about it good. in a way that I wouldn't have expected based on it's, its subject matter. It starts off kind of middle of the road, sort of. It's made by, I think, the same company that made Scrubs. So I think, is it Billy Lawrence, I think, was the guy who made that? And I think he's involved somewhere along the line. And I think Jason Sudeikis, who stars in it, writes some of it as well. Right. Um, I'd seen the promos for various things, because they did it originally when the NFL were playing, you know, it's it's the football, but not as we know it, that sort of stuff. Yeah, it was, yeah, it's basically, it's it's like a... It's a skit that they've decided to turn into a TV show. Yeah, I've heard it's very wholesome. Usually, it is very wholesome, but it but the, the the smart thing about it is, and this is why it works, is it's they've made it like a British TV show rather than an American TV show. That's good. So you get people swearing, and um, you know, there's you know, people. I mean, you don't see anyone really having sex, but people have sex right. and things like that. If they'd, um, I suppose he'd always, he'd always been the butt it. of the joke rather than football being the butt of the joke, which is a very English approach to it, isn't it? That's the English perspective. Yeah, yeah, it's a good show, and it gets better. The, it's a, it gets better as it goes along. It, it starts pretty, pretty middle of the road, but like the second series, they've they've made the episodes longer as well. The, the, I think the last like three or four episodes have all been forty five minutes. Right, so. so they can really get into some stuff. Well, you'll have to send me yeah. a link to how I can subscribe uh, officially to the official platforms that you've been using to watch that, Hugh. Um, yeah, I will indeed. <laughs> yeah. And then the other thing I watched, I've been watching. I've watched the first four episodes of Foundation. Oh yeah, the Isaac, Has it got Isaac any better Wolf adaptation? No, oh, that's a shame. <laughs> No, it really hasn't. It looks incredible, I must admit, but the, um, I don't know, it just seems, it's like dead behind the eyes. Right, yeah, uh, maybe I'll try I, I think I'll probably read it first, because um, yeah. I should. I watched a little, I went I just go to such a small indie cinema, but I watched a little film called No Time to Die this week. You, I don't know if you've oh, yeah, it. I, yeah. I think it might be just a true in film 50, or something. 50, 50 fans, yeah. yeah. <laughs> James Bond and yeah. that, have you seen that yet? Yeah. No, not yet. No, sadly not. Mm. I, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I'm just waiting for a friend of the podcast, uh, me and uh, Juicy, Liam Waters. We're going to go see it at some point in the next few weeks, I think. Very probably nice. in the beginning of November. So, uh, but I'm dying to see it, no pun intended. <laughs> no time to dying to see it. It is good. Yeah, obviously I won't say anything uh, about it, but it is good. Watch it at the cinema. That's yeah, about as far yeah. as I'll go with that. I think I think the question I I watched Mark Kermode's review of it because I was interested. To see I what do you find that baffling. I mean, he was really good at not giving any spoilers, but I 
I just avoid any sort of review before I see a film like that. I mean, he was very good at not giving anything away, wasn't he? Yeah, well, he said he wasn't going to say anything about the plot or anything. Yeah. So, um, and I think he said he said he enjoyed it, but he said it wasn't as good as Skyfall, which I think is his favourite of the yeah. Craig Bonds. He said it's right there so. with Casino Royale. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of agreed with what he said in his review, but um, I've got a sort of recency bias towards it. I think Skyfall probably is better. It's just it's a bit too uh, dark. Night. <laughs> it's a skyfall. You know, it's a bit too obvious. So maybe, well, I maybe mean, they say distance. it's a bit too dark night. There's like one bit that's like dark night, and the rest of it is is a revenge flick, isn't it? Yeah. He's wanting revenge. Fair. I suppose his his elaborate plans are kind of very dark night, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. The, the silliness of it. Um, but you know, that's the gay banter sorted, Hugh. I think it's time we talk about uh, the tenth in Drink the series, at home Malcolm if you've got X. That one on your bingo card. <laughs> yes, we're here to do uh, the nineteen ninety two, uh, another Spike Lee joint, and our second Denzel film. I'm tempted to say, yeah, it could be, could be. Uh, I think you're right. Anything else? Yeah, yeah. He tends right. to be, he tends to be front and center, doesn't he, Denzel? So. He's he's not one of these people who will have just been bopping around in the background <laughs> as like some of the other actors. I don't think he's quite up there with our Harrison Ford films though yet, is he? That's quite he a the, tally to, he, to be. I think he's on five. Is he the, club, <laughs> is he the clubhouse leader? Yeah. As they say. yeah. Um, is he on five? Probably. Yeah, yeah, it's something least. like that, yeah. Actually, three, it must be. It? It's two. Star- We've done this before, but anyway, it's two Star Wars. It's two Indiana Jones. Oh yes, it's Apocalypse Wars, Now. Yeah. It's um, what's it called? Oh, the yeah, uh, Fugitive. Now. And oh yeah, the fugitive Blade Runner, twenty forty nine. So he's on at least six. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> at least yeah. What's that? Two Star Wars, two indie, so that's four. Blade Runner twenty forty nine. What was and the Apocalypse one said? Now. And and Apocalypse oh, and now. and the fugitive so seven. Seven, yeah. So Jesus. he's on seven. <laughs> yeah. So Denzel's got some catching up to do, yeah. but it's our second Spike Lee film, isn't it? it certainly is. And uh, this is my favourite part of the episode where we I basically go, get ready, ladies and gentlemen, for two middle-aged white men awkwardly talking about race relations yeah, I mean, in the USA. For you can call yourself middle-aged if you like. I intend to live past 64, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, 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 we well, are white Englishmen, so we're not going to have uh, we're not going to have much of a perspective on the social political aspects of this film. But we're going to judge it as a film, and we can talk about you know because. Because it, it might teach us something as well, you know. Uh, so it yeah. may teach we're us allowed to do whatever days. we like. It's our podcast. Go get your own podcast if you don't like it. <laughs> yes, we are. And if we want to talk about contentious social and racial issues in America, we can talk we'll about contentious. If we wanted to say the N word with a hard art, we're allowed. We won't. <laughs> but we absolutely <laughs> no, we could if we wanted to see internet. <laughs> we could if we wanted to, Sam. Yeah, yeah. but we, we absolutely we won't. Just to be clear on that. We absolutely won't. Uh, do you want to? <laughs> do you want to give us a little? Um... Oh no, actually, it's our third Spike Lee joint, isn't it? Boys in the Hood was him, was it? No, no, it wasn't. No, no that's um, thingy. Oh, what's his name? Singleton, his name. John Singleton. Yeah, yeah, right. he passed away, didn't he? Yeah, the last year of the year before. Black, didn't Black he? Clansman, yeah. obviously, was the was the other one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. so um, yeah. Uh, hard to give a synopsis for a film that's this long, but long story short, it's the life and times of. Uh, Malcolm Little, aka Malcolm X, the uh, radical um, civil rights movement leader in the 1950s and 60s. And it charts his life as a young sort of hoodlum in the 1940s in, I think, um, 
is it New York or in Boston? In Harlem. No, it's in Harlem, yeah, in Harlem. And then uh, it uh, ends with his tragic death at, I think, 39, when he was gunned down by people who he used to associate with, uh, by members of the Nation of Islam. That is probably from. quite a surprise to a lot of people that he wasn't just killed by some awful white people. <laughs> you know? Yeah, it's it's it is a, it's a it's a crying shame, isn't it? That it was it was internal politics that kind of got him, rather than some like with Martin Luther King, some awful redneck. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. So yeah, so that's it in a nutshell. Give us your it's, sort of it, relationship to this film. Did you watch it young? Do you know? Have you seen it a lot? Are you passionate about it? Is it just an important film? What are your thoughts? Uh, so I had to write. I well, I chose from a list of essays actually. So when I was in second year of university, we were doing a module on American history, um, and we were doing obviously like we got to the part where we were doing civil rights stuff. Um, and I just decided to do an essay about Malcolm X. I can't remember the title of the essay, I'm afraid. And it's lost, I think it's lost to history now, <laughs> uh, because um, my old computer that I had all the, either, you know, all the essays on, I think that got, that got, that got broken. And uh, I, I think I've got the hard drive somewhere, but I've never plugged it in. So yeah, I think that's gone, gone, gone and gone forever, I'm afraid. Um, but yeah, I had to vaguely do an essay relating to Malcolm X and, and stuff like that, essentially. That's right. That's that's so it. So you've got the I, content of it, I presume. I can't remember it, but I ended up buying. I'll show you, Sam. I actually bought an autobiography by uh, Manning Marple, uh, Malcolm X: A Life of Reinvention. Right. Which um, I didn't. I've not read much of it. I used it mainly for the essay, but yeah. I do believe was, I have owned so the autobiography reading. that this film is based on for a long time, but never got around to reading really? a word of it. Yeah. Yeah, I was curious actually when I was. Um, when I saw that, the, the, some of the writing was the autobiography. I think it's Alex Haley. No, is it Arnold Pearl? Alex Haley? Somebody like that, I think. They yeah, P- Pearl wrote, co-wrote the film, but I think Alex Haley is the autobiographer. Well, he's the biographer, but it's from it's his words, yeah. I believe. Anyway, we're, we're, we're not fully yeah, informed. So. Um, why, don't you, yeah. why don't you tell us what's so great about this film, Hugh? Well... So yeah, so that's, so that's the reason. So I ended up watching it for that essay because I thought, well, you know, it's an easy, accessible bit of media that'll give me a, as you know, as as historically inaccurate as films can be, and gosh knows, you know, we've all seen Braveheart. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of those films that you know it's relatively truthful. You know, I'll mention later some of the inaccuracies, but they're minor almost. Um, but it's just, it's just an epic biography film, isn't it? You know, it's one of these that it starts when he's young. It, you know, it has that really firebrand opening. You know, where he's like, you know, giving a speech and accusing, you know, the the white man of being like the worst criminals in history. Mm. And it's you know, it, it sets its stall out very early to be like, this is the story of a man who, you know, he's got some quite strong he, opinions. Yes, he, you know, the angriest man in America, you know, I think is was something he was labelled as at one point. Um, yeah, you know, it has, you know, it, it, it has a powerful message, let's be honest. You know, it is about civil rights, ultimately, and, you know, it, the film literally starts off with the video footage of the Rodney King yeah. assault. Uh, and you know that's still relevant today in 2021 you know obviously with George Floyd back in 2020 and Black Lives Matter and all this stuff Um, so yeah it's still relevant I think it's a relevant film you know in regards to that Um, 
you know, it shows shows the struggles that people had just to be recognized as as people, you know, in the 20th century in America, you know. There's the bit where um when he's when his house as when his father's house gets firebombed and he's like I am a man you know and then not in the amusing way that you're always thinking when we think <laughs> when we ever we say that because of the thick of it but he's actually I'm know, a man you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's it's the actual struggle for recognition isn't it um and only in the last century um, you know it's not it's not set in the late 1700s or whatever you know this no. is yeah we're talking you know this is early 1900s years, isn't it yeah. Eight uh, twenty, yeah, nineteen hundreds, yeah. That doesn't sound right when you say that. <laughs> Early twentieth um, century, there you go. But it is true. It's right though, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I, I I like the way Spike Lee directs his films. He's got a very unique sort of style. That um, you know, we talked about when we spoke to um, Thingy the other week. Um, my brain's gone blank. What was his surname? John. 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 What are you talking about? John, John Singleton. No. What. Uh, the hippopotamus director oh John Jenks John Jenks yes when we were speaking to John I couldn't remember his surname for loving the money there yeah when we were speaking to John Jenks and we were saying you know how much of like style as a director could you put you know you know directorial director authorial ship on it you know how can you create your own (laughs) unique look yeah it is it is (laughs) and I think with Spike Lee you get you get that you know there's that famous conveyor belt shot that he always does um there's a dance number in this film <laughs> which yeah, several you know, is, yeah yeah quite in a prolonged you know, seem, yeah which seemed completely unnecessary but also that's a thing do you know what i mean mm. so i really i really like the way spike lee kind of and it, he he did a lot of he recreated a lot of um images and shots of malcolm x um like th- there's a couple where he's giving interviews that are like shot for shot and like the scenes are almost mirrored there's the the image of him stood at the window with the um the rifle that's um lifted from i think time magazine did an interview with him mm. or time life i think is yeah that, i think it was life, life magazine yeah, yeah they and that, they there's that, that there is a famous image um and yeah, and I think something that the film obviously provokes and provoked at the time was this reevaluation, perhaps, of who Malcolm X was. You know, because he was kind of seen as this firebrand anti-American um, black man who you know advocated you know people returning to Africa. Um, and you know, obviously, the film shows that he's you know he's, he he's, his views changed as he matured. You know, um, there's a very powerful scene when he goes to Mecca, and that sort of. Uh, you know how he's trapped there, and you know the way he starts to see people as people, even if they are, you know, blue-eyed white devils, as he likes to call them. Um, yeah, just it's just a good film. Old, it's just a, it's a solid film, and Denzel's brilliant in it again. I don't think he's as good in this as he is in Training Day. I think he's brilliant in Training Day, and quite rightly won the Oscar for Training Day. But he's definitely you don't you believe him as this character who goes on this journey from being a young man who wants to chemically straighten his hair so he looks more white to being this man who's you know basically trying to 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 lead, help lead civil rights and things like that um and then finally zoot suits i mean <laughs> why are they not a thing anymore they're amazing weren't they in this film he was, he was yeah. straight pimping at the start, isn't he? And he yeah. was straight pimping Absolutely. is a great way to put it. What do, you think I th- what do you think I think of this film? I think the film's too long. I think that as a genuine criticism. Like, as much as I like the... Um, 
you know, the dance number is fun. You could cut that out. You could just have them at that dance hall. You could see him maybe talking to the uh, Laura, and then he could see. Um, oh, what was she Sophia. called? The Sophia. Thank you. Yeah, he was talking. You could see him then talking to Sophia. You, then you could just cut to him with Sophia. You know, talking to Sophia. Or you could cut to him taking Laura home and then being with Sophia. Or you could just cut to him talking to Sophia. You could just, you know, you don't need to show that scene where she's like, oh, you're going to that white woman and all this. You could, you could, um, you know, you could just show him with Sophia. Do you know that kind of a way? Um, and that sort, of, that sort of Laura thread is a bit, is a bit dropped. You, you know, I think he walks down the street and she's become a prostitute. Yeah. And she walks, she sees him and kind of half recognises him. And that's it. That's you'd never see her again, which I always thought was weird. It was like, why, why bring her back into it f- to serve no real purpose other than sp- to show how much maybe he's changed. I suppose when point. when he's at the is at the bar and she's with the guy who's strung out. That's her partner, and and his mm. his new girl is saying, you know, it won't be long till she's hooking. Basically, I suppose that's just yeah. a resolution to that. It could be, yeah. Um, you know, this film is a bit preachy. Like, let's be honest, it is. You know, it's got a very specific message. And it's rather than, say, like Boys in the Hood, where it was trying to be like, this is what life is like for people. It's like, no, here's somebody who who had a very particular message and tried to get that out and did was very successful with it. Um, and the final thing's more of just a technical thing is the pacing isn't great there's there's a lot of time spent in like the 40s and then we seem to flash forward through like all these years in like he spends like six years i think in prison he says yeah. um and in, apart from the scenes with baines in prison he's in prison then he's out of prison and then he's malcolm x all of a sudden and then he suddenly he's married to um to betty and then he's got kids and then it's the sixties, you know. It's yeah. it's as silly as it sounds. It just seems to go from being. It spends a lot of time in the forties until he's arrested and goes to prison. He's in prison a little bit, and then fifteen years seem to flash by in like the, the, an hour and a half, maybe, mm. which is a lot for a normal film. <laughs> a film that's three hours and twenty minutes long. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's maybe what you might not have liked. I think you're going to have liked this film for what it is. I don't think you're going to... You might... I don't know if you're going to love it, but I think you'll appreciate the kind of film it is, the message it has, the performances that are in it, and, you know, just an insight into what it was maybe like for people like that in this, you know, in the the mid-20th century in America. Um, And obviously the the figure of Malcolm X, who clearly was a very intelligent man. He was clearly very... he, 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 He wore his... You know, he he wore his experiences on his sleeve, and he was kind of—he's almost—he's the antithesis, almost at the—he's or he was seen almost as the antithesis to Martin Luther King at that time, because he was more of a—you know—we will defend ourselves. You would defend yourself. Why wouldn't kill them all and let God sort them out? (laughs) As opposed to yeah, yeah, he was—you know—his experiences were purely negative, and he went a more militant route with his with his rhetoric. And he was very, you know, he was probably anti-American because he's, you know, he's, there's a bit of there's a speech in the film where he's saying, you know, we wouldn't have a social problem if we weren't if we weren't tra- like second class citizens. Well, yeah, he doesn't and, identify as American, does he? So that's that. No, yeah. and and he, you know, he spoke he spoke truth about the situation in America. I think maybe the reason he's probably not as famous as Martin Luther King 
is because he doesn't he didn't have this amazing piece of rhetoric that's been immortalized do you know what i mean i think similarly it's easier for white people to get on board with the Martin Luther King non-violence, <laughs> you know, yeah. whereas a lot of them would obviously take opposition to Malcolm X. Yeah. Yeah, perhaps, yeah, especially, you know, confronted with it, you know, it's, you know, if you are a racist American in the deep south in the, you know, in the 1960s, it's easy to hate somebody like Malcolm X. Yeah. Because yeah, he hates you. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. We, I guess we can get into this later or I can do it now. I mean, do you have an opinion on which of those two leaders you'd, you'd sort of side with or which of them you respect well, more or you I know, had a, whatever. I had, a weird, I had a weird analogy to it was like, I think it's Malcolm X and Martin Luther King. So Martin Luther King is the Beatles and Malcolm X is the Stones. <laughs> you know, the Stones were darker and edgier and they were... They Martin were Luther King is cynical. Steve Davis but Malcolm X is Roddy O'Sullivan. <laughs> or he's, would he not be would he not be Jimmy White? <laughs> Jimmy White, yeah. Yeah, maybe. More of a generational comp- competitor. Yeah. yeah, yeah, two people who actually... Malcolm X is John McEnroe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what, Beyond Borgs? Beyond Borg, yeah. Is, um, is Martin Luther King. Um, no, but do you know what I mean? Like, the, the Beatles were peace and love and, mm-hmm. you know, all you need is Love where, you know the Rowan says that's simply for the devil. Yeah, <laughs> give me shelter and you know, um, and maybe I think that it depends where you kind of sit sit on that spectrum. I think Martin Luther King's probably had a longer lasting impact. Mm, yeah, I think you only know about Malcolm X if you make the effort. Yeah. to know about Malcolm X. It's easier to quote you know what? Martin Luther King, even if they both have very quotable men. Yeah, I think yeah. Let's discuss it a bit later right. after you've yeah. just discussed it and given your opinion and what you think about Malcolm X. Because obviously, if you don't tell, if you you can't really tell me what you exactly, think about yeah. the, the man, whilst we're sat here, not with giving your opinion on the film, because obviously it's going to be coloured by that. So, so let's um, let's go for a break, and when we come back, we'll get Sam's uh, jams, hey. <laughs> old school. <laughs> Sam's Sam's opinion. Complete this there. Yeah, join us after the break, everyone. To part two of please watch this so now we're going to get Sam's opinion on uh, Malcolm X Sam tell me what you liked about the 1992 Spike Lee film directed Malcolm X <laughs> so, so yeah there, there was, I, was I, I, had, I, I, didn't, I didn't stop for dramatic purposes there I needed to burp and couldn't because I didn't want to burp down the mic very professional so I had to wait for the air to go back down, and then, but it sounded good until yeah. you laughed. Until we, yeah, we ruined it. Sorry about that. So, um, obviously, the main feather in the cap of this film that that actually wasn't intended as a joke, but he does have a feather in his cap at one point, doesn't he? When he's straight pimping, he um, is that it's important, isn't it? It's one of them important films that you sort of have to have seen, which it might sound like a backhanded compliment, but it is. You know, it's like Schindler's List and and so on. It's like yeah. a film you're supposed to have seen because it's. It is important, it's important about an important man, it's enlightening as well, um, either to the struggles at the time, if you weren't aware of them, you know, we're now talking about a, a, basically a lifetime ago, uh, so, you know, obviously people living now could still have that, but basically a lifetime ago, and I think for someone like me who obviously is aware of civil rights and seen films and documentaries and read things about this kind of era, for me it's more the small things really that are enlightening, like... Uh, like what he does to his hair, 
you know, the sort of struggle and yeah. pain he goes through to have, does he call it a conk, I think he calls it? I didn't catch the terminology for Yeah, because he's saying uh, you don't want a nappy head, you know, you want mm. a conk, like you want white hair, basically. And it's something that isn't talked about enough, and it's often not talked about about women's hair. You know, when you hear about, you know, say, black women in America having weaves, I've always been kind of like, oh, that's weird, that seems so common that they have weaves, why is that? So I did a bit of Googling, I don't know, last year or something like that, into that, and it's, you know, it's sort of shame about... The, you know, black features almost, and and uh, and wanting to conform to be more like white people. Um, there was a there was a movement in the seventies, um, and I think you see the the person who was based around. She must have had a trial of some sort. I can't remember her name, and it really annoys me. But there was a there was um, a whole thing about black is beautiful. Yeah, and it was like this famous woman, and she had like a big afro and all this, and yeah, it was just them trying to people trying to sort of say these beauty standards that you have are obviously not they're not that we don't see them in ourselves yeah. this is what they're white standards, standards are. i'm sure there's, yeah. there's talk of people i think it was either beyonce and or rihanna of them uh, whitening their skin a little bit more or having surgery on their noses and things like that to appear more marketable and all, all these things that you know, I think we're in the right direction to get past, but you know, I'm I mean, sure look what it did to Michael Jackson. You know yeah, what I mean? yeah, and it's it, it, that that is one of the most marked sort of physical characteristic, you know, traits of that that shame. And uh, Baines talks about it to him in, in prison. You know, you, you're ashamed of being you. You're ashamed of being a, a, a black man, and he just wants it to to get by because everybody has a conk, you know, in in his area, in, in his way of life. And I think that that's for me is the is the most sort of um, interesting part of what it teaches because I wasn't entirely familiar with Malcolm X. I knew his kind of brand was rather non-violent <laughs> kind mm. of uh, uh, what's the word? You know him as the more fire and brimstone. Yeah, stuff. yeah, and he, and he wasn't all for integration. It was, it was, yeah, a bit more. We've got a very good reason to be ha- angry here, so let's be fucking angry <laughs> and let's arm ourselves, kind of thing. That's sort of what I knew before. I thought it was really interesting. Uh, I didn't know much about his sort of life, and, and as you said, you know, his the way he changed over time. And it is one of the reasons why it's such a good performance from Denzel Washington is not because of a particular scene necessarily, but because of that evolution of his character. You know that he, yeah. he is able to be that sort of that sort of straight pimping uh, kind of guy in Harlem in the start, but then also the very serious man in a suit and glasses. And, and think really that transformation that you see in his costume and his glasses and style and hair uh, yeah. is very striking. Do you think that's one of the benefits, I guess, of, you know, you have a real human being who is able to adapt their ideas and opinions rather than a fictional character? Yes, and it also what it really the good thing it really does is that it, it makes this film not this one-sided hagiography where it's just oh isn't Malcolm X great and let's look at let's praise him, but actually, and also the film doesn't necessarily take a side on which one is right. The sort of separationism of we should all go back to Africa or the integrationism that he sort mm. of was happier with later. I don't. Yeah, I mean it, it does show his sort of misogyny his yeah. hatred for white people mm-hmm. um i think spike lee got has had criticism for this film in the past over the scene you know when the like the preppy college girl white girl goes up oh, to yeah. him and goes you know and she says oh i don't agree you know or, you know i don't what can i, I do to agree. help your cause yeah nothing yeah. and yeah he's one line and walks off and it's like 
you know, I don't know if that happened or if that's what yeah. Malcolm X, but that was maybe what he, that's maybe what Spike Lee interpreted as what he, I don't know how much of that is the director's opinion and how much of that is actually what Malcolm X thought. Right. So if you got criticism, presumably that means it wasn't something that was in the autobiography and that's, that's the beauty, I suppose, is it? In no, terms it of- was more that, it was more the criticism of, I don't know how to put it. It's like, it's more, I think it was more criticism labeled at Spike Lee, the man himself saying, well, what do people who are white, what do they want to do to help civil rights? Yeah. His answer is nothing. You can't do anything. Well, that's the, obviously, sometimes that's the difference between the message of a film and, the, and a character's beliefs, isn't it? I didn't see that yeah. as the director telling people like you and I are progressive and probably wouldn't, would want to help the cause and we're sympathetic to all kinds of causes and all that. So, you know, we never want to be offensive and all that sort of stuff. Like probably most people it was a bit disheartening but I didn't think that that was what the director was telling me I saw that as this is what Malcolm X is telling a preppy college student in the 60s you know (laughs) yeah I mean personally like I I I didn't think that when I was watching it I just had read about that after I saw it or went before I saw it or something like that I'd heard it somewhere on the grapevine right yeah fair enough but yeah I'm always aware of it when I see that scene um, but you're right. It does show. It does. It's it's warts and all, isn't it? And it does show all the bad. Um, it's sort of reminiscent in that sense of, say, all is by my side. The Jimi Hendrix um, biopic with Andre Benjamin. You know, Andre Three Thousand from Outcast. He's really mm. good as Jimi Hendrix. It. It's good, apart from they didn't get the rights to the music. No, so it's not, not very good. Very... <laughs> how did, did Outcast not get the rights to the music? They've got money for days. No, Jimi, Jimi Hendrix. As in, no, but how could Outcast? How could a member of Outcast who's in a film not get the money together to get that right? They just weren't allowed. It wasn't a. It wasn't a cost thing. They just weren't allowed. I think because it was what's and all. So the you uh, know the Hendrix family don't want to give them yeah. the right to, to use yeah. the music. And what's interesting yeah. actually is, is I briefly read some of the trivia on IMDb for Malcolm X and Spike Lee talked about how if they didn't get rights for some of the speeches, it would be like showing an Elvis biopic without playing any Elvis tracks. And that's kind of yeah, what it I felt saw like. That as well, yeah. <laughs> um, and that is, I think, really good. And it, and it isn't it isn't necessarily how... It doesn't have a particular view on the solution to racial inequality, which I thought was really important. Um, it's, it is really full of sort of life and colour. Like you said, this sort of dance scene at the start it is such a sort of joyous uh, portrayal, you know, of all that... I think because you have to have the light and the shade, you have to have, again, I'm trying try not to use colour <laughs> metaphors here, but it's impossible not to, uh, you know, sort of saying light is good and uh, shade is bad. Um, but it is, it, it, it's because it's such a serious film about such a serious man, they do have to try and put in a lot of joy. Levity. Some levity. Um, <laughs> but I do think that was one of the criticisms, actually, is that even when they, were, when they had all the levity, there wasn't much humour in it. I thought it would be funnier. Or I wanted it to be funnier. I don't know if you felt the same. Um, not I like it, I didn't I want it to be. It to I didn't be. want it to have a laugh track, but just in the like bar scenes and stuff, I thought there might be a few more jokes. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. I suppose when I watch a film like this, I'm often I often compare it with other sweeping biopic films that I've watched. Obviously, we've done Lawrence of Arabia, which is a biopic technically but it's not of a very specific small period of his life mm-hmm. um where obviously this goes over like about 20 years of his entire adulthood isn't it yeah yeah essentially yeah yeah um and then obviously i've seen gandhi as well which um is you know 
came out I think about 10 years before this maybe so yeah that's the other touchstone kind of biopic like long three hour film you know another one yeah in a sense Schindler's List is kind of biopic-y long biopic sort of thing but even that I think it's set over a couple of years isn't it yeah about a a man even that I feel like had more levity in social occasions (laughs) (laughs) yeah it did I suppose Um, how much of it then were you did you find yourself comparing it with, say, Lawrence of Arabia, or did that not even crop into your thinking? It didn't in any sort of, like, scene-by-scene uh, basis, but in when I was writing notes for this, I, I was disappointed by how um, uh, predictable my opinion on it is. And you, you nailed it, really, in the, the things that you said I wouldn't like about this film. It, it is too long. And I think... Mm. A film being three and a half hours long isn't a bad thing. Lawrence of Arabia is four hours long, but I gave it 10 out of 10, you know, because yeah. it was extremely good and held my attention. Schindler's List is three hours long or more, and that held my attention throughout. Yeah. This one really didn't, for a lot of it, you know, it would be, I'd get to a scene and I'd think, okay, so he's wearing the glasses now, so he's Malcolm X now. Uh, I'll pause it and go for a drink. Oh, there's uh, there's two hours left. <laughs> you know, it's like an hour and 40 left. So <laughs> we're basically j- just about halfway through. There was a part where it seemed to be wrapping up and I paused it went for another drink. Okay, there's 58 minutes left of this film somehow. This is like, that's basically all of Primer <laughs> left of this my, film. <laughs> <laughs> I think my criticism was as well come down to sort of, you don't really see much of his domestic life with Betty mm. and actually the one bit you do see is one of the more interesting scenes you know when they're arguing yeah but apparently their domestic life was so serene like they never argued they never fought um, she always like backed his opinions and his motivation and I think I would have liked more stuff when it came to him falling out you know with Elijah Muhammad yeah I think I would have liked some more stuff on that because it's just, he's like, he, it's like he goes from being flavour of the month and then all of a sudden they're like, we're going to kill you, Malcolm X. Yeah. And I'm like, what? what what's yeah, he doing and wrong? it didn't come down to, I mean, the sort of, the JFK comments maybe were catalyst for that, but yeah, it, it, and there was just little murmurings of he's getting a bit too famous rather than, well, why is that a bad thing? Isn't that good for the Nation of Islam? And obviously, because they're worried but it's going to be about him instead of the, the cause. But he's further yeah. in the cause by being so uh, famous. You know? And again, a cause that is very much especially that the Muslim Brotherhood that is very much centred around almost the idolatry of one man isn't yeah, it yeah yeah you know I, 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 and, you know, heard of the, and as he says everything he says is according to the teachings of Elijah Muhammad you know yeah, it's not yeah. like he's, he's not making his own pronouncements really He's not even saying, like, according to the, the teachings of the Prophet Muhammad. He's just saying, yeah. according to the teachers of Elijah Muhammad. Yeah. yeah which is fascinating that this guy, it's, yeah, it, it does seem like it was just jealousy, really, that they uh, they murdered him in the end. Yeah. Really. Yeah. And that, that was, and maybe that's just the petty truth of it. Obviously, there was the, I mean, yeah, I suppose there was also the fact that it turned out Elijah Muhammad had, like, had fathered these children out of wedlock and stuff like this with young women and he was in like his 50s and 60s and yeah. I think obviously um, it cast a, a poor light from um, Malcolm's point of view on Elijah Muhammad that is also part of the but he, I don't think he was publicly critical of that was he so it's not like we need to kill no, this guy for criticising him I suppose it could be a private matter couldn't it behind the scenes do you know yeah we don't know I mean I don't, it, but then the film if he had probably said stuff about it behind the scenes you know he would have done I guess it is fascinating because you know I think I think I knew because I remember googling Malcolm X last year for some reason uh, I think I knew that he was killed by a, a nation you know somebody from the nation of Islam and the brotherhood but 
it surprises me every time that it's like you said it's not just some white racist you know, yeah that, you know it's you so could, petty do you know that, what I think maybe the issue almost with this film is is that it tries to because it's a biopic it tries to show you too much where actually you would I would much rather have a two hour film about him falling out with the nation of Islam and being assassinated yeah, yeah. yeah or yeah. I could watch a two hour film about a young Malcolm X going off doing the robberies and all these things and then you know him converting to Islam in prison and then the end of the film is him meeting Elijah Muhammad or something like yeah, that yeah because yeah. you would and then because like the audience it's one of those like as an audience member you know what's going to happen to him so it's fascinating to see how he you, you want to know how he became who he is you know that kind of a way yeah or you want to know you know you want to know why he got assassinated so that would be fascinating and you can have like a 10 minute bit at the beginning where he talks about his childhood I think you're yeah. right I think there is a lot there and you talk about you know with the girls at the start because because one of the girls becomes a prostitute and that's sort of it maybe that's just indicating that the sort of life of a lot of black women in America at the time and it, yeah. it part of it is about drugs and gambling and prostitution in Harlem and all that but also that's in some ways what tells you it's based on a real life because you wouldn't include that if it was fictionalised you just cut that I don't know there are fictional characters in this film I mean if it, if the if the if this was a, just a fiction, completely fictional story from whole cloth that you wouldn't you wouldn't think oh, yeah, to include yeah. those characters you yeah, know because like uh, you know I know that Baines is fictionalised compo- composite for efficiency's sake and so on but but yeah there's some it often happens doesn't it in, in films based on on real life you have scenes that you wouldn't have had like we were talking about Apollo 13 um Gary Sinise's character who gets who might have glandular fever and then doesn't yeah. Uh, yeah. that would be an odd, you wouldn't include that if that never happened no it'd be something more dramatic like he'd die or he'd break his leg or something like that <laughs> yeah yeah it would, it would be wouldn't it it'd have to it won't be like oh he's he's feeling a bit iffy so yeah. um, <laughs> so he might have went to now Kevin oh, Bacon's going <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah um, so you asked before so 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 let me so so you enjoyed this film as in like it was a positive experience for you you knew you realised when you were watching it it was a film you were like I should I should have seen this film because it's it's about something it's got a message it's got it's got good performances yeah I think I think I did I did you of, enjoy I sort of appreciated it more than enjoyed it whereas right did you enjoy the story I guess because it is because he is quite an interesting character a man who went from being this you know you know he's not like I don't. I don't really know much about the early life of Martin Luther King, but I imagine he wasn't out robbing. Do you know what I mean? Well, I mean they said yes. it, they said he was delinquent when he was a kid. That you know, like the uh, the sort of uh, you know child services support worker who comes in and she says to yeah. his mother, you know, you got this many kids and four of them, you know, all but one of them are delinquent or something. Yeah. But then in in school he was a high achiever, but was given very limited ambitions by his teachers. Yeah. It is. It is an interesting transformation because I go into this film knowing the latter, latter Malcolm X and being mm. surprised by the young one and mm. thinking, okay, this is odd. This is not the Malcolm X I expect to see. And then seeing that character develop whilst also maintaining some of those characteristics is interesting. And yeah. you do wonder how authentic he is some of the time, but he, he's so consistent with this message and so consistent with his idolatry of Elijah Muhammad that you do yeah. buy it. There is, I mean, there's a bit, isn't it, when he loses his temper, um, before the speech he's about to give and then that woman comes 
back in before he's about to go on stage, and she and he's forgetting he's apologising for shouting at her. Yeah. And it's like, like you said, so there's those little, yeah, like you said, there's little bits of his old, the old Malcolm there. But yeah, so, so yeah, yeah, I, I, I probably agree with you. It's, it is a bit too long. What do you think when I said about the pacing? The pacing does seem a bit off, I must admit. It's, yeah, I mean, it, it's probably the hardest part. It must be the hardest part about making a film that's this long is getting that right yeah. in the edit and, and but I suppose, building up things. I suppose if the interesting visual things are like him... You know, with you know, hanging out with um, gangsters and being a criminal, and then obviously if it if he spends ten years setting up mosques in different cities, that's quite quite boring. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and you're you right know, with the prison. Watch him do committee meetings at planning commissions. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and, and the prison thing is six. He's there in prison for six years, but that could be a film in itself. Or you could yeah. say he went to prison and became a Muslim so let's focus on yeah. why he became a Muslim and ha- let's have basically a montage with Baines yeah. uh, training him spiritually rather than physically <laughs> and I thought that was interesting I suppose you get, it you became, get a bit of that don't you there is a bit of like him you know when he's in the shower and then he's in the and then he's talking about his name and then he has the and then Baines is trying to get him to pray on his knees but he won't and then he yeah. He says he has like a waking vision of Elijah Muhammad in the cell and that's when he starts it, praying it, on his knees. It did a good good job of it being an authentic um, change over time because if it was just like he had one conversation with Baines and then he's converted, that would be problematic. So that does a good time of showing it over the yeah. course of years. And I thought it was interesting as well because the film wasn't say, go join, go be a Muslim, you know, or, or like scrutinising the actual teachings of Islam. But it seemed, I was sort of sold on the idea that um, this is a way that black people in America could could uh, develop their cause. You know, he, you know, he talks about these are the, and I always respect that. Like with um, Furious Styles in Boys in the Hood, you know, when he's saying, obviously the white man is bad to us, but we also have to look at ourselves first and and get ourselves right first. And I think there's yeah. an element of that here where you know it's, I it's think, up to I us think to do it, not not up to it's not up to the white man to emancipate us from all this. We need to do something about it. I think what the Islam in this film does, and for what it clearly did for Malcolm X, was it 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 gave him an air of legitimacy, like a, something bigger than himself. I think, yeah. yeah, yeah, and that obviously then he could channel that feeling of connectivity to something more than himself into a brotherhood towards sort of you know trying to achieve his aims of civil rights. But yeah, I think it's like obviously he was sort of a set. You know, like an apartheid kind of guy. You know, yeah, he yeah. separation. You know, who would have thought that Malcolm X's sort of philosophy would marry up with sort of apartheid South Africa <laughs> philosophy as well? Oh, the clue so, really. Like, oh, okay, let's go. Out, let's leave then. <laughs> let's go back to yeah, Africa. Yeah, like, yeah. I know. mean, th- there was you know Marcus Garvey's mentioned at the beginning of the film that he says his dad's a follower of Marcus Garvey, and um, you know he he very much advocated that. Um, W.E. Du Bois, he sort of advocated that sort of um, movement towards Africa. He ended up going to Ghana, I think, in his later life. Right. Spent many years there and died there. So, you know, there is these sort of famous... Um, oh, there's a name for it, and I can't remember what it's called, but, you know, like where there's like a term for it, you know, going back to right. like Africa and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I, I mean, you asked me earlier, didn't you? Who who was I more on the side of? When yeah. I came, or who did I find more interesting? Or was I? I completely. I think from 
it's a strange one, Sam, because obviously, even though I've, I've lived in Britain all my life, you know, I've pretty much I've grown up here. I've moved here very young. You know, I'm from a culture that saw how violence could be used in a very targeted way to emancipate yourself from some an oppressive regime, you know? Yeah. And while that was a very achievable goal in, say, the Irish history, where they could literally just have a change of government, you know, that wasn't run by the British, it was instead it was run by the, the Irish. Obviously in America it's a it's a lot messier, isn't it, ultimately? Yeah. You know, it's like what what you know, what does Malcolm X when he was a, you know, when he was like a separate you know, when it's separation or he was wanting to go back to what what did he actually think was going to happen? You know, you know, it's that old Stuart Lee joke about terrorism in the 90s you know at least they had achievable goals <laughs> you know it was like what was what did he think that the US government would just give them like half of the south or something yeah. you know or oh, that 20 million build. people th- well, how many you know 30 40 million people are just gonna leave or move yeah <laughs> what about people was... who've got mixed heritage what they, do they live in Switzerland <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I, I, I get his you know I can understand his militancy is very much it does seem it's you know that is it has been and you know I think I think Martin Luther King and Gandhi are kind of the examples of where non-violence has worked but nine times out of ten violence towards the oppressive you know the the you know the the hegemony is tends to be actually the path to go down in a lot of these cases well you know blood alone uh, what is it moves the wheels of history as Joseph yeah. Stalin and Dwight Schrute once said. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so yeah, I, I probably do. You know, you respect what Martin Luther King did, and I think again, it's a shame both of them were murdered ultimately, wasn't it? Because it would have been what would have Malcolm X turned into as he got older? Because you know he was he was just on the edge of forty when he died. So would he have would he have become would he have mellowed with age, or would his rhetoric made him? a fringe person by the end of his life you know surely he would have still been alive in like the 90s when we were kids growing up if he hadn't been murdered um would he have moved towards the center a bit more and become more of a i think he would have moved more towards the center because i think his faith he would have seen the like he says he he really does have a a change of sort of perspective once he comes back from mecca doesn't he and egypt and that's that's quite clear that that sort of actually did change his outlook on sort of how people can get along which yeah. you know but yeah I don't know he, did, he just didn't have that kick ass speech like Martin Luther King did he? <laughs> <laughs> or we haven't seen those speeches uh, played endlessly so we they're not really in our mm. lexicon as much as the, the Martin Luther no, King speeches are apologies if you can hear the cat meowing in the background I, I think I think for what me what about you Sam Where would you, there's an old adage in chess which is you know the best move <laughs> isn't the best move it's the move that your opponent least wants you to make and I know that we can't speak from a black perspective, but I can speak from a white perspective. I'd be way more scared of Malcolm X than Martin Luther King. <laughs> so <laughs> so that would be effective, I think. <laughs> you know, yeah, if he could actually think... militarize and mobilize people, that is the that is the that's the person I'd least want in the opposite corner, if that makes sense. I think I think the I think ultimately like someone like Martin Luther King has the moral high ground because he was like, We will achieve our all we want is Equal equality. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean of the two, but, tre- but, Martin, the but Malcolm X has the high ground in the sense of like, you know, 
they definitely they've definitely got good cause to be very angry. Oh, and, I, uh, you know. I mean, yeah, he he's not wrong about it being a crime for four hundred years, <laughs> yeah. whatever it was. I love that um, Louis C.K. bit where he's talking about you know, like as a white man, you can you can go into a time machine and you're going to have a table prepared for you at any time. But I don't want to go into the future because God knows what's going to happen to this. You know, we're not going to slip from one to two. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to hold us down, you know, for for hundreds of years, basically. So yeah, I think uh, I think I've, they're both fine <laughs> yeah no I see, I see your point yeah i suppose he's he's not he's speaking truth to power isn't he he's saying well yeah you've been doing this for you know you put us in chains and then you know you've you've had us with jim crow laws yeah and, but know, but ultimately uh, probably not and this was more effective because like i said it was more palatable to white people and ultimately in order for yeah. that cause to work because black people are the minority you need to convince some white people to be on your side to have any democratic yeah you know yeah true, effect. True, true. so yeah. yeah and i think that's more what well that's what i mean as in when i say like martin luther king had more moral authority about it, it was because he was saying we just want to be treated equally we're doing this by we're not doing it with guns we're doing it with placards and peaceful protest and you know people with a conscience were like yeah they're right yeah yeah <laughs> and where if someone with a conscience is saying you're like it, it's that negative reinforcement isn't it if someone's telling you you're awful and you've done awful things or your ancestors and you're a direct result of their awfulness you're probably not going to be as receptive to that message. we see it in america now you know that the idea of critical race theory and basically teaching how awful white people have been in the past is been met with mm. so much resistance from white america from a lot of white americans obviously mm. not all of them um because they're sort of they they seem to think that it's saying to young white people that they should feel guilty for slavery and so on and i don't mm. think obviously we have white guilt i don't think we truly feel guilty about those things but we certainly i certainly feel bad about <laughs> what white people have done even if i'm not one of those people and that i've benefited yeah. from that you know but then but yeah but then no one ever talks about like muslim slavery mm. that the, you know they slave they were slave you know, the Ottomans had slaves, um, the Arabs had slaves from Africa. Yeah. You know, it was a lot of the time, a lot of the... I mean, I'm not excusing any of it, don't get me wrong, it's <laughs> not an excuse. I'm not, I'm not uh, sat here going like Niall Ferguson going, yeah, empire was bad, it wasn't <laughs> as bad as say, other empires, you know, it's all awful. It's also more yeah. recent. But I think it's not as, uh, it's not as... Oh, I hate to say this, but it's not as black and white as we think it is. <laughs> it's so hard not to not to get but into this. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's a great scene in the film when they're talking yeah, about in the library. You know, he's going through the dictionary and how our our lexicon is derived with black means bad and white means pure and good. Yeah. And, so, and it's something I've always since I've seen that I've been very aware of. Anyway, let's let's try and crack on. Let's try and get through this. Let's try and keep it as much as under an hour as we can. <laughs> Sam, I'm going to move on to favourite lines. Hit me. Isn't it normally favourite scenes first? It is favourite scenes. Let's go <laughs> to that first then. Um, let's have a look then. My favourite scene... It's how quick I wanted to get it done. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I'll go with the Russian roulette scene then. <sighs> yeah, that is good. It shows the good and the bad of the man. You know, it shows his, yeah. his selfishness and his arrogance to, to be leader, but also... He's very headstrong, he's very persuasive, and as much as he does palm the bullet, he is willing to die uh, for his cause. Yeah. So I thought that was a very good scene to set that up. How about yourself? Uh, it was when he goes to Mecca, and he goes to Egypt, and he has that he has that awakening of like a larger sort of 
feeling about people. I yeah. Suppose. And he's, it's when he realises that white people, <laughs> this might sound like a selfish, but he realises that white people aren't as bad as he thinks they are. Yeah. It's just the ones that he knows. Like, he's, he, has that, he has that scene, doesn't he, where he says to... Is it... Oh, was it to... Who is it he says it? I can't remember who he says it to. But he basically says, can you remember any good truly good white people in your life and he goes through and thinks back to all the it's probably Baines telling it to is it Baines telling him, him I think so because yeah. he talks about how uh, you know some white people uh, the devil he says no not some all white yeah. people are the devil yeah and it was nearly the scene when he's when Baines does kind of talk him round in the shower but um, no I think the bit where he's kind of because I think that was almost like the final f- Pokemon form of Malcolm X where he was like you know where he that's was his like, moonstone oh. yeah he was almost like oh actually you know maybe you know cooperatism might be better you know being, yeah it is being... it is very important in that transformation I did have my, as my second favourite scene but it sort of felt like cheating the mm. sort of prison conversion montage yeah strictly not a yeah. scene so I didn't want to include it but it was I think the most significant part of the film <laughs> Uh, favorite lines then? Um, there was a, I did write down a few. Um, obviously, the speeches are really good, so I won't include those. But the speeches are really good when he talks about things like, mm. you know, if the Emancipation Proclamation was was authentic, mm. then there wouldn't be a problem here. There was, wouldn't there be, wouldn't any be a race problem in America. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's loads of good ones. The, th- the thing I thought was the coolest thing I'd ever seen was he's at the bar, he's ordering a drink, and then uh, Delroy Lindo, what's his name, White uh, uh, West Indian uh, Archie. So, yeah, West Indian Archie, yeah. He just puts up two fingers to say, give him a second shot on that. That was like not my favourite line, but I thought, oh, that's really cool. <laughs> that is a that, really that cool way cool, of buying yeah. someone a drink. But, but do you have a line? Because that's more of a scene. <laughs> <laughs> that was, I really like that. We mentioned it already when the co-ed says, you know, I've read some of your speeches, etc., etc. Um, I, you know, I don't see myself as prejudiced. What can I do to help with and further your cause? And he says nothing. I really like that line because... I felt like I related to her quite a lot there because you watch a film like this or you, you think about things like civil rights and as a white person you do think yeah you, you're not you've not been victimized or anything for it but you you don't you sort of want a virtue signal and say I'm not like that but you also do feel sympathetic that you want to help and that line I just thought was really interesting because it's like yeah there is nothing she could do really although actually joining their cause public it would probably be helpful hmm and uh, yeah, yeah, I've it's, got some of it's, yeah. it, cool. it's that whole thing of you've got that you end up you watch a film like this and you've got like indignant rage and it's like what can I do and it's like nothing because ultimately it's not my fight <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah you know and, and I just yeah. if anything just stay out of the way <laughs> but as, as we found you know as we talked about with Martin Luther King actually probably did help having white people on well, his side so yeah. she probably could have done a lot by picketing it's the and whole so on bystander culpability isn't it yeah issue a lot of these things like the Ku Klux Klan and the you know can happen because there's people willing to stand aside to allow it to happen absolutely what was your favourite line to not intervene um I really like the lines that when they're they're leaving um is it when they leave Harlem and they go to Boston or Chicago I think I can't remember which one it was I think it's Chicago I think it's Chicago Boston Okay, it's, no, it's Boston. Boston. <laughs> Let's say Boston. Let's say Boston. And uh, Malcolm's narrating, and he goes, "Like every hustler, I was trapped. Cats that hung out together trying to find a solution found nothing. Cats that might have probed space or 
cured cancer. West Indian Archie might have been a mathematical genius, but we were all victims of Amer- of the American social order. And that's you know that's that's true. You know you see, you know West Indian Archie's like you know you've got to keep all the numbers in your head. I've you know I've never forgot a number, and it's like yeah, this guy's clearly some sort of actually a mathematical genius, isn't he? Or he's he's a very adept at maths, and you know they show this. You know, they say how intelligent Malcolm is, but he still has to write things down where this guy's like, I can remember it all. Yeah, it speaks to a lot of inequality and struggles, whether mm. it's, you know, uh, suffrage uh, suffrage or, or, or something about ethnicity yeah. or whatever. It is a case of, well, let's say let's say with, with women, if you deny women the right to, to work, mm. that's half of the potential geniuses who are not able to use that in a productive workplace, you know, gone. Like, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah Newcastle United. <laughs> <laughs> that aside, then. I really liked B- Betty when she that's, says, um, yeah. Brother Minister, the sister wonders if you know what Sister Harriet Tubman did between taking souls to the Promised Land. Malcolm X. <laughs> no, sister? Uh, Betty, she ate. Excuse me. And she's basically <laughs> inviting him for dinner. And I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> that was very Isn't sick. that the fact that Harriet Tubman was quite fat as well? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think it was just a fat see pictures of it. She's a big girl. So you know. Malcolm X took it that she was flirting with him. And yeah. uh, actually, no, Betty was just, uh, you know, fat shaming Harriet Tubman. <laughs> as it <Yeah>. turns out. <laughs> Maybe. I think she was. I'll have to Google it. I can't remember. I have seen pictures. She's quite big. Um, I also like the... Um, the quote when he's doing the speech where he says we didn't land on Plymouth Rock Plymouth Rock landed on us yeah that's yeah. a really great line he, he's very engaging charismatic isn't he oh yeah 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 and that they convey that in the film as well I think yeah. very well um, any other favourite lines I quite liked uh, of all the sort of speech lines and the the big inspirational lines Elijah Muhammad I tell you the most dangerous creation in the world in any society is the man with nothing to lose you you do not need ten such men to change the world one will do it kind of reminded me of that George Bernard Shaw line which was something like um, the reasonable man the reasonable man looks at the world and sees how he can fit with it the unreasonable man looks at the world and sees how it can fit to him therefore the world is changed by unreasonable men which I think Malcolm X uh, kind of embodies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Did you feel that in the film, like that Elijah Muhammad had charisma as well? He just like, sort of sat there could... in shades and a crown, didn't he? I, I, it was, yeah. it, it was, it was more his hype men that uh, built up that idolatry. Yeah. I think, like Baines. And you can see why like someone that. like Malcolm X would come along and irk someone like him. Do, do you know the thing is? In my head, in my mind's eye, Elijah Muhammad looks like. The guy from this film. Like, if I now see <laughs> yeah. a picture of the real Elijah Muhammad, I'm probably like, eh, I think it's just that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. He, oh, he looks, doesn't look like that guy. <laughs> um, and then finally, favourite shots. Well, there was one that was very telling. So, there are, it, is, it is very well shot, this. There are some really vibrant scenes and there's some great use of light and all this kind of stuff. Um, when they're, when uh, Brother Johnson has been hurt by the police and they're all outside and they're all sort of basically they're his troops kind of mm. uh, patrolling mm. there was I was reminded of a, quite a good article by Russell Brand when he, he used to write about football uh, every week and there was I don't remember the match but there's a Man United match where there was a, uh, a potential penalty decision or something like that and Alex Ferguson got up out of his seat and was really annoyed about the decision and it made that whole stand kind of get on the back of the referee basically and he talked and Russell Brand talks in this article and it's been 10 years since I read it but this is my memory of it which was um, people were scared of Malcolm X the the police and the white people were scared of Malcolm X because they knew that he could command a crowd 
with mm. subtle gestures. You know, if if he sets his if if he doesn't like the thing, then the whole crowd mm. is on his side. And Alex Ferguson kind of embodied that for Man United fans. If Alex Ferguson's angry about the decision, that means everyone has to be angry about the decision. And so, in terms of a shot, uh, there's the bit where he kind of holds up his hand and just points for them to to go that oh, way. Where he just points, yeah, one direction and they all turn in unison. And yeah, off. that was very powerful. I thought. Yeah. Yeah, it does feel very choreographed. I think it did kind of tip me out a bit, a little bit that scene. Whether, you sort of thought, they, how much briefing did they have about how to do this patrol? And <laughs> I think the only, th- I mean, I can get it that if he could do the hand gesture, they'd all kind of turn and march at the same time. Mm. That makes sense. It's when um, the police officer looks out the window and they all look up at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> that's clearly bullshit. <laughs> but it looks great. On that's, film. that's I think speaks to Spike Lee's. He really likes a PowerPoint presentation, doesn't he? Of, of, in his films, <laughs> of, uh, you know, he can be a bit preachy and a bit on the nose, and I think sometimes it, it does veer into that. Yeah, uh, my favourite shot was actually when Shorty goes through uh, Spike Lee in this case goes through the legs of the woman at the end of oh, the dance yeah. number, <laughs> and he just looks directly into the camera as if to go, "Yeah, we've just put a dance number in this film. Deal with it." You know, did you enjoyed that, didn't you? And you're like, "Yeah, yeah, I did actually. It's good dance. It was good. It was good." Um, but I also like the uh, one when Malcolm's, you know, they do the conveyor belt yeah. shot where he's obviously not on a he's clearly not walking but it's just it's just a, that, the angle they always do it from is kind of a bit of a low angle so just where the is that in the film uh, it's when he's going you get, I think he gets out of his car and he's walking to the um, to the the music hall or whatever he's doing his speech at, at the beginning right. near the end of the film and it does that shot that they had in uh, Black Klansman yeah. kind of where they're going down the hallway um, it's good it's good but you know it's it's his um, it's very much the Spike Lee shot his signature yeah yeah his signature yeah that's the good, good way of putting it right Sam we're going to go for a break when we come back we're going to get what the critics thought we're going to get your review of the film and uh, also we're going to uh, find out we're going to find out what we're going to do next week and a quiz marvellous so lots, lots to do see you after the break Okay, Sam, so, as always, what we like to do here uh, on Please Watch This is hear what uh, old Roger Ebert thought about this film. Let's find out. So, so would you like to hear from... Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert. Okay, so Roger Ebert has this to say about uh, Spike Lee's uh, Malcolm X. He says, uh, Spike Lee's Malcolm X is one of the great screen biographies celebrating the whole sweep of an American life that began in sorrow and bottomed out on the streets and in prison before its hero reinvents himself. Watching the film, I understood more clearly how we do have the power to change our own lives, how fate doesn't deal with all of our cards the film is inspirational educational and it is also entertaining as as movies must be before they can be anything else so what do you think he gave it as a as a rating i mean that sounds like a four yeah yes and i think he's right i can't i can't say it's not a four-star film for of rogers It, it I think it's it's just too long (laughs) you could take 45 minutes out of this film and lose nothing yeah you really could. Um, 
you know, like I really loved the bit at the end when you've got like Nelson Mandela in the school class in in Soweto in South Africa. But do you need it? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you could even make a. F- you know what I think this would have been. They could have done, or what would be if this film had never been made. You know what would have been great if they'd made a Malcolm X HBO ten part miniseries. Yeah, that would that was definitely what they'd make now. Yeah, and it'd be great as well, and it'd be interesting. Yeah, and it'd cover, and it'd have the time to cover everything, um, rather than trying to crowbar it all in. However, not everyone really felt that this was a great film. Okay. Um, so we've got Tom Hibbert in an art, in a publication I forgot to write down, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it was I think it was an American. No, it was Empire. Okay. Yeah. So he gave it. So how many stars do you think he gave it out of five? Well, if you say he didn't like it, two out of five? He gave it a three, so middle of the road, which three stars might as well be a one star with Empire, given how easily they dole out the praise. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so this is what he had to say about the film. The movie that was supposed to cause such controversy in middle America, even if you will, to uh, set cities a-burning, failed to do any such thing because director Spike Lee's chose to tell the story of the angriest black man in America with such surprising restraint uh, in fact at times the film seems in danger of collapsing into the tedium of hist- history lecture for beginners uh, that it never quite does is a testament to the immensely powerful performance of Denzel Washington Okay. so uh, yeah he wasn't a big fan of the he felt I think he was expecting something more controversial right yeah you it's know. Sort of could be angrier, almost. It could I have more was, violence in it, and and so yeah. on. But maybe he was expecting Lars von Trier's Malcolm <laughs> X or something. I don't know. Um, but as we always said, Sam, I'm the most important person in the world. <laughs> you are it? the most important person when it comes to our criticism. I. So the question I have for you: How many out of X would you give this one? <laughs> that's that's nice. I like that a lot. I was really torn on this because I've got to be honest. It's it's not just about Come how on, good Natalie the film is. Tell us what you think. I'm very torn. <laughs> yeah, it's not just about how good the film is. It's did I enjoy it? And I think ultimately, yes. the, the, the compromising between those two, I, I think a seven. To be honest, that's still pretty good score. Yeah, I can, it's not. That I, means I, I get the bad, feeling but. that you you you're glad you watched it, but you weren't overly entertained by it I wasn't really and I won't ever watch it again and I think if you you know if you were to ask would I recommend it I sort of wouldn't I think if it was two hours I would yeah Uh, yeah. do you think it kind of fails almost on the level of it has to be entertainment first and foremost rather than sort of a social document yeah yeah as a social document it's a you know nine or a ten but it's I just yeah, I wasn't, to, to, no, to paraphrase, uh, Russell Crowe wasn't entertained uh, entirely. I think for I me was not it's entertained. A, I think for me it's probably an eight, to be fair as well. Mm-hmm. I think it is too, like, I keep going back, it is too long. I find it entertaining enough. Um, there is, I would like more of like his domestic home life with Betty and maybe more about the Nation of Islam and that, the fallout from that. Yeah. But... Yeah, other than that, I think it's a solid movie. But there's, there's, a, there's but, an audience out there for it who I think would, yeah. you know, get more out of it than us. Interesting, interesting that you wouldn't recommend it though. So that's that's interesting. Well, we're going to check how uh, how well you concentrated on mm. this one, Sam. How well you were watching. Uh, surprisingly, quite hard to do questions for a three hour <laughs> twenty there's film. There's plenty of content uh, you'd have thought, but uh, yeah, yeah. 
So, uh, question one was, who was Malcolm's father a follower of? Oh, you mentioned it, wasn't it? Uh, I did. Garvey. Was it Garvey? Yep, yep. No, I'll give you that. It's Marcus Garvey. Yep. I'm happy for you to just go with Garvey. I appreciate that one. you mentioned that because I wouldn't have got it otherwise. <laughs> I, yep, yeah, I thought that one. That was probably the hardest question, to be fair. Um, actually, there's one other that you might not get, but it did flash up on screen, so we'll see how you do. Uh, what nickname did Malcolm give himself? Red. He did indeed. I think it was technically Boston Red or something right. like that, isn't it? But uh, Red's fine. Uh, question three, then. How many years did Malcolm spend in prison? Six. Overall. Yeah. Did indeed. Seven to given... eight to ten. I did also think, yeah. wow, until he said concurrently, I thought, wait, did Malcolm X wasn't in prison forever. <laughs> How does he, does he <laughs> no. bust out of jail? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> concurrently. And then shorty fall. Yeah. Shorty fins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like how he says, oh, I had to explain it to him. What could <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like the fact that he's very blunt. He's like, we got, you know, the usual for your first offence is three years. You know, we got we got a year for this offence and then we got seven years for sleeping with white women. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, what a time you know, to be alive, just, Chris. Yeah. Um, question four, so you can tell I'm struggling for questions. <laughs> what was Betty's maiden name? <laughs> well, I know she's credited as Betty Shabazz. She is, but that's not a maiden name. No. That's a married name. Um, it flashes up on a news article. It comes up oh, on screen. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, give me a first letter. S. No. Shabazz? <laughs> <laughs> no. You've already said that. We've been through this. <laughs> um, it's Saunders, apparently. Uh, yeah, well, you could have given me she doesn't, It never gets said. It's literally Malcolm X marries Betty Saunders. Mm. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, fair enough. And then again, this was some writing on the screen. Uh, what is the name of the show that Malcolm goes on? Oh, what, like the talk show thing? Yeah, it says it behind them. Oh, God. Big writing. Oh, it's the. It's obviously the very, very late show with James no, Corden. It's not. It's not. Um, unfortunately, Malcolm X was dead before he oh. ever had to sit through that. That's the tragedy, tragedy. isn't it? <laughs> that what he then James, James Corden's Corden late TV night show. Yeah, TV, TV show career. Yeah. I can't, James Corden, he's like he's like um, Schrodinger's cat in a way. I, I equally hate him and like him at the same time. Yeah, I can yeah. never decide. Good in I'm, history, I'm, boys. I, mostly, mostly not very likable. Yeah, he, but then sometimes I'll see him do stuff, and I, I think he's quite funny. He's also he's them? also suffering from the Coldplay effect, I think, where it's fashionable to hate him and and all that. Uh, so that's uh, sours watching him. I think. I think it's also like he always seems to be trying too hard. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like his 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 personality is quite it's big and loud and that's his personality. Inauthentic, isn't he? He does seem a bit unauthentic. Yeah, there's a there's a falseness to it, isn't there? Oh yeah. Um but I did you ever see the one where he went to work out with um Mark Wall like yeah, four yeah. in the morning? Yeah. That I thought that was quite funny. I think he's I think he's potentially quite a funny man, but yeah, anyway, let's let's not talk about him anymore. <laughs> uh, so you got three out of five. So of the average please watch the score. I'll take well it. I'll take it. It was good. It was good. It was good. So, Sam, that's uh, Malcolm X. Any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, there was a couple of surprising cameos, I thought, from this film. Not, yes. not even the big ones like Nelson Mandela, just from actors who were later very famous. Like, I'm yep. pretty sure I saw Giancarlo Spasito, you know, Gus, yep. uh, Gus Fring. Gus Fring, yeah, he was already, you know, if I, if I didn't hate Gus Fring already, I hate him even more now because <laughs> he, he killed Malcolm X. Yeah, and uh, Wendell Pierce off of The Wire. He, yeah, uh, when was, who was Wendell? I was trying to look out for him, but I didn't see him. He flashed on screen. He's the guy who says something like, get out of my pocket. 
uh, shouts at him at a, a thing. Oh, so he's, is that Wendell Pierce? Yeah. He's good as Wendell Pierce. And I've not seen The Wire, but I've seen him in other stuff. He's, he's a, got that really deep baritone, yeah, hasn't he? Yeah, so great he's, voice. He's unbelievably he's, good in The Wire. Yeah, you need to watch it. Maybe we'll do, maybe we'll do like, if we get bored of films, maybe we'll do, uh, you know, 50-part <laughs> The Wire breakdown. <laughs> like Please a, watch a The Wire. Season, the season of The Wire. Yeah, it's just a podcast. I think it's an idea. We could, we could do, like, each episode could be, like, how many episodes are in each I think there's, like, the 10 and there's five seasons. So you could do like season one could be the first ten episodes. Or something. It's 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 a sister podcast for another time. I think please watch yeah. the wire. We can do it. There's an audience <laughs> out there for it. But, I mean, we'd be one of probably a hundred other yeah. podcasts <laughs> at that rate. But um, yeah, so some. The, so the next thing to ask yourself then is. Um, what film are we doing next week? Well, we want to get into the spirit. We're in October now. We want to get into the Halloween the spirit. Spookiest month of the year. We usually just do one Halloween episode, don't we? Um, but uh, we do. I thought you we'll, wanna... just, we'll get into it. We'll, we'll have a bit of a lead up. We've got there's a few horror films an hour to watch lists. So yeah. next so week we're going to watch. It rather impossible for me because yeah. I, I don't watch <laughs> horror films as we all know. So I have to find a horror film for you. Or thriller, horror or thriller, yeah, or suspense. Like film, yeah. Something. I mean, if anything, we dealt with, you know, one of the most horrific things in human history in the slavery and Malcolm X, but whatever. Yeah, <laughs> but instead we should have a haunted house. Um, we're going to do yeah. the Antipodean yeah. film, uh, The Babadook. Hugh, what do you Fair know about enough. The Babadook? Babadook, um, That it's a horror film from New Zealand, I think. Yeah. That's it. Right, okay. Any Have you seen images from it? Do you know what the Baba no, Duck looks I, like? I, don't, I haven't a clue. I heard Kermode go on about it for like a year, but I never yeah. <laughs> really... Maybe by osmosis I'll remember some stuff, but... Yeah, I just remember him always going the Babadook yeah. like that. You might, you might, you, you might recognise some of the images for, imagery from it, but that's what we're going to watch. You know, twenty seventeen. I want to say something in that realm. No, no, it can't be twenty fourteen. Twenty fourteen. I was going to say I showed it to my students at my old school. That was I left yeah. there in twenty fifteen. Anyway, it's a it's a while old. So I'm looking forward to watching that. We know you're not a big horror fan, so maybe you won't love it. But anyway, it gives me a chance to watch it again. And uh, that's what we're going to do next week. Now, Hugh, if they want to get in touch with us and tell us about their favourite Malcolm. Uh, mm. How could they do that? Well, if they want to get in touch with us and uh, <laughs> tell us about their favourite Malcolm, like Malcolm in the Middle, uh, Malcolm Tucker, um, <laughs> it, uh, I don't know, any other famous Malcolm, like real Malcolms? I can't think of a Malcolm Muggeridge. Malcolm Muggeridge, yes. <laughs> if you want to get in touch with us and tell us about Malcolm Muggeridge. <laughs> The famous, what is he, art critic? Yeah, he? but he was famously in that debate critic. about Life of Brian with the Monty Python <laughs> yeah, he was, Malcolm Off from The Office, the guy who uh, he calls Kojak. No. <laughs> Can't remember. Um, what you need to do... The, the UK office, that is. Go on say. UK national television, have a big <laughs> argument with John Cleese and Michael Palin, <laughs> and maybe when you're finished with that, go and use the internet or yeah. the computer. Make sure you call their film 10th rate... Uh, sorry, yeah, 10th rate or 2nd rate. Yeah, or, yeah, plenty yeah of it's like... What does he say? Like It's like, um, like a play that the, the third... The fifth formers would do. Yeah, yeah, this grotty little yeah. number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What a twat. <laughs> <Awful>. <laughs> um, 
so yeah so and you can email us at pleasewatchthis.pod at gmail.com unless you can think of another way which Sam I think you have other means and ways of getting in touch with us don't you well thanks to people like Malcolm Muggeridge we have a thing called Twitter and um, why did he help invent it (laughs) well you know we probably I don't know probably related to someone who changed someone's life who invented Twitter or something I think he's Jack Dorsey's uncle so um, <laughs> let's just let's assume that's true. Uh, that it sounds like slander. If <laughs> Sorry, Jack. Um, get us on Twitter at Please Watch Pod, lads. Yeah, Jack Dorsey, the one of the few CEOs of major tech companies who isn't hated. Yeah, and one of the few that's a nephew of uh, Malcolm Muggeridge. You heard it here first. <laughs> one of the few, not the only one, one, but one of the few. So anyway, right, so listener, uh, let's go. Take care of yourself. Look after yourself, and we'll see you next week for the Babadook. Babadook. Bye. Bye, Babadook. Babadook. <laughs> <laughs>